0: Mari is an amazing writer who writes about hard questions and hope in the Holy Spirit over on her blog. It's marikoclark.com. Her writing is deep and real and always makes me cry in the very best way. But she tells the truth about life with pinches of humor and wit and sarcasm that leaves you laughing while you're crying. It's just the best. Mari is also the newest member of my team here in our little corner of the internet. She's such a gift to me, and this space is so much better because of her, and I just know you're going to love her. So we have something special and a bit different for you in today's episode, and I am so excited about it. In this episode, Mari kicks me out of the host chair so she can interview me about a topic we're asked about constantly, blogging. I've been blogging and writing for more than six years now. I cannot believe it's been that long. And so I'm so excited to share with you what I've learned along the way. Side note, I think I tell you in this episode that I've been blogging for five years, but it's definitely been more than six. Crazy. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about how to start a blog and how to grow a blog. We're talking about the logistics, answering questions like, how do I build a website? And how do I get more followers? And how do I make money from a blog? And we're also talking about the hard issues, answering questions like, there are so many blogs out there. Is there even room for me? And how do I promote my blog without feeling gross or sleazy? And how vulnerable should my blog posts be? And so much more. So if you've been dreaming about starting a blog or a business or writing a book or even a podcast, I cannot wait to share this with you. I'm also so excited about this episode because in it, I get to share how my blog got started and that's a story I don't get to share that often. And actually, part of that story has to do with my very first book, The Lipstick Gospel. Friend, if you haven't had a chance to read The Lipstick Gospel yet, I would love to send a copy your way. The Lipstick Gospel is the story of the worst breakup I've ever been through and how God put my heart back together from it. It's a travel memoir, a story of transformation and hope. And if you're going through a breakup right now, or if you could use some encouragement in your faith, or if you want to get closer to God but don't know how, or if you're struggling to say yes to the plans God has for your life or trying to figure out what those plans might be, or if you're feeling shame about some past mistakes you've made or, you know, a million other things, I would just love to share this book with you. You can either download a copy of the book for free. Who doesn't love free books, right? Or if you're more of a paperback girl like me, we have those too. You can pick them both up in my shop. It's SmeyWilsonshop.com, or through the link in my Instagram profile. I'm at Wilson over on Instagram. The other thing is that if you've already read The Lipstick Gospel, which I know lots of you have, I wanted to make sure to tell you that we have two new books to go along with it. This last summer, I came out with a Lipstick Gospel Prayer Journal and a Lipstick Gospel Devotional. They're tools and resources to help you walk towards a more fulfilling relationship with God, with your life, and with yourself, and you can find those in the shop as well. Now, without any further ado, here's my conversation with Mari. Hey friends, I am so excited for what we have going on today. Um, We are talking about something that I love talking about. I could talk about this for a million years, and I feel like I don't get to very often, so this is really fun. Um, And also, I have one of my favorite people here. Um, I have my friend Mari here, um, and Mari is kind of a newer friend here in Nashville. We're like actual everyday Nashville friends, so we're sitting at my house, which is really Uh fun. Um, I feel like some of the people you guys are going to get to hear from don't live in Nashville. So this is really fun. We're like sitting at my house. The new house. The new house. I know. I've been living in this house for like a week. Um, still boxes everywhere. But anyway. Um so Mari and I met. I feel like we need to say this just as like a PSA for random awkward coffee dates. It's true. Um, so Mari, you went to college with a kind of a friend of mine, mm-hmm. um, and when you because you guys moved to Nashville about a year ago, right? Yeah, a little over a year ago from Boston. From Boston, and before I was moving, a lot of
1: people were sending me. It seems like everyone knows someone who knows someone in Nashville. Yeah. So I was getting a lot of messages from people. Oh, I know so and so. You should hook up. And I just, in general, am not, like, a go-out-to-coffee-with-strangers type of person. It's just not my thing. But I didn't know anyone in Nashville, so I kind of had made this deal with myself that, like, I'm just going to say yes to everything. So I get this message from my friend Anne. You have to go out with Steph. Like, you have to take this girl out to coffee. Like, you guys would hit it off. You have so much in common. You're both writers. Like, you guys have to meet up. And I'm like, ugh. (laughs) I have to say yes to this. So... I emailed back, like, yes, let's do it. And, like, went in with such a bad attitude, which I feel like I need to apologize for for some reason. But it it was awesome. Like, we ended up having a great chat, like awesome
0: coffee date. And like, we joke about it now. We're like, our first date was so awesome. It but was. Like, and I feel like we were there for, I at one point, I think we looked down at our phones and we we're like, oh, we have a thousand missed calls and mm-hmm. we've been here for like three hours. Yeah. And just the flow. best
1: kind of date is when you're like, oh, I've lost track of time.
0: Yeah. Yes, I know. And I feel like we've talked about this a lot, that sometimes random coffee dates turn into the, like the most awkward coffee yes. of your life. And you're like, it's been 15 minutes. I thought it's been 10 years. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I feel like I, our friendship is, is the perfect example of like, you just kind of got it, like, especially when you're moving someplace new, which we're talking about a ton on the podcast. um in a different episode, but when you, when you move someplace new, like you kind of just have to say yes. And sometimes mm-hmm. it's kind of an awkward date, just like going on real dates. And sometimes it turns into something awesome. And I feel like it's worth like going on a bunch of dates and and going to coffee with a bunch of people to find someone where you're like, wow, like we hit it off right away. And it was so fun.
1: Yes, I totally agree. And as someone who typically hates that sort of thing, I have to like begrudgingly say it It was a good idea and I'm glad I did it. And I've done it a few more times and like, yeah, sometimes it's great. Sometimes it's not so great, but... The, usually the good outweighs the bad, so it's totally. worthwhile.
0: Totally worthwhile. And I love, so we we found out that we have a ton in common. Our husbands are from, like, neighboring towns. They played mm-hmm. lacrosse together in, call, or in um, so high school. Um, and then also Mari and I are both writers, which I feel like we spent most of our time um, at coffee talking about this and talking about like the high points and the low points in our journeys and how we've gotten to where we are. And, um, and that's so fun to be able to talk to someone who's in like a similar field, um, to you. And we've started this kind of a tradition that I just love. Well, actually first I need to say Mari and I work together now, yes. um, which is so fun. Um, I, things have been growing around here so much that it's been beyond what I can actually handle on my own. And so Mari's come on to be just basically my lifesaver. <laughs> Your babysitter my sometimes. My babysitter sometimes. I know. I'll <laughs> call her sometimes and be like, Mari, I need to answer a bunch of emails and I'm just having a hard time doing it. And she's like, I have a two year old. I'll be over. I can absolutely get you to do this. I think you offered to give me like gold stars one time. Oh yeah. I was like, I'll make you a sticker chart. I'm pro at this. Yeah. don't This is going to happen at some point. But so if you um, email me with like a question about a book order or something like that, Mari's absolutely the one to write you back. Um, And so it's been awesome having you on my team. And so I'm so happy that we get to do this together. Yeah, this is awesome. I'm excited. So, okay, so back to our little tradition that we've started. So this whole podcast, the heart of it is that I believe that, like, life happens best when we are in it together as girlfriends. That we, when we can walk through life together, it's so much better and easier and absolutely more fun. And I feel like that's really true with our careers, too. And so um, I... So really, my heart is just for this whole thing to just feel like a girls' night at your best friend's house. We're just navigating life and doing it together. And a big part of that is our calling in life. And so that's something I'm going to be wanting to do on the podcast is talking about different callings and career paths and hearing from different women who are in different um, careers. But but I wanted to talk to you about this because one, like at our girls' nights and our, like when we hang out, we talk a lot about our careers, which is being writers and, Mm -hmm. and blogging and stuff. Um and then also we've started this tradition that I love, um where we both really love Chipotle, like love Chipotle. Like there should be a better, stronger word for it. Like, yeah, like where, yes, where are <laughs> other words besides love? because we like love Chipotle, and we're like pretty protective about our leftovers like at <laughs> one time. Like like we because it takes a solid commitment to eat a whole chipotle burrito. And the good part is, if you split it in two, you have two meals. And so, like, we're, like, I need to make sure to bring my leftovers home kind of people. People
1: who love Chipotle totally get this. Like, they're nodding along with us. Yeah. There's, like, a... a cult for Chipotle. Yes, you
0: guys, were with you. You're our people. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. You know about this. Yes. Like, the second half of the burrito. You yes. Know. It's, oh, it's so good. So, we're gonna, I think, probably have to go get lunch at Chipotle after yes. this. Yes. After this podcast, we're gonna earn it. Yes, absolutely. So, um, but one of the things we started to do at Chipotle, like, near my house, we like, sit outside, and we talk about blogging, and so, um, instead of a girls night at your best friend's house, I feel like you're joining Mari and I for burrito talk. Yes. Which I feel like we need, like, mugs, like, coffee <laughs> mugs, like, uh, morning show coffee mugs to say like, <laughs> Welcome tech. to burrito talk. Seriously. Um, but really that's what we're talking about today is blogging because I get, one of my favorite parts of my job is that I get questions from you guys, from our readers. And now I guess our listeners, which is crazy. Um, just asking me questions about different parts of our lives. Cause like I said, it's better when we go through it together. Um, and so I wanted to just take some time to invite you guys into the conversation Mari and I are having all the time. But also to answer some of your questions about blogging because, I mean, as I'm sure you guys can guess, I love blogging and I've learned so much over the last five years and I just want to pass that on to you. So we were kind of talking about this. Um, We have a lot of questions to get through because we gathered the questions that my readers have sent me just kind of over time. Um, and also we did kind of a shout out on Instagram, like, Hey, if you have any questions we've missed, let us know. And then also Mari, you've like snuck in some of your questions, <laughs> um, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> maybe things that we've talked about, um, so that we can really like hopefully give kind of a, at least a starting place for, for how to start or how to grow mm-hmm. a blog. Um, Mari, you've been blogging for, for a while now. Um, why did you start your blog? And like, um, yeah, why did you start your blog and kind of where are you in it now? Um, so I started it as um, a means to an end, as
1: sort of a marketing tool for a spiritual memoir that I have written. And I'm like seven years in now. And sort of the crossroads I'm at is I'm getting a lot of feedback from, you know, publishers or agents or other writers. And it's that you need to expand your platform. That's like the biggest point of feedback that I'm getting is like the content's great. Like what you have written is awesome, but you need a platform. And I think that's sort of touches on a lot of the questions we've sort of had coming in is a lot of the girls are curious about how do I build my platform? Um, How do I even start? This feels so overwhelming. So I think um, if we're going to dive right into the questions, I think one of the first questions I asked you on one of our burrito dates was like, how did you even get
0: started? Yeah, absolutely. Kind of the place where my blog originated was the year after I graduated from college, I had this internship at my college ministry where I was, my job was to, um, lead like a Greek ministry. So I was in charge of leading a small group for 27 amazing sorority girls, not a small group at all, like a large group. Um, and that year I really fell in love with, um, the gathering together as women and telling the truth about our lives and working through things together and, um, kind of the magic that can happen when we're vulnerable with each other. And when people come together and say like, this is what I'm going through. And then other friends say, Hey, I've been there. This is what helped me along the way. Like, let me walk with you and, and share with you what I've learned. And that's kind of the role I got to play that year was just kind of a slightly older sister, um, like kind of a little bit of a mentor, just a friend to walk through them or walk through things with them and just share what I've learned along the way. And so at the end of that year, I was really torn because I loved that kind of ministry, but also this kind of idea had been planted in my head. And that was this trip called the World Race. Um, And so the World Race is an 11-month mission trip that goes to 11 countries around the world. Totally crazy. And at the end of my intern year, I was like, "Do I want to continue on the path I'm on, or do I want to go on the world race?" And it was a really, really hard decision. Um well, I ended up going on the world race, and the thing I really was like mourning in the process was leading this small group and and I missed that, and I was really sad to leave that behind
1: um, because
0: you're by yourself on the world race, or you have no, so you so you travel with a big group of people, so that's awesome. but um, I just was missing the like I knew that I was going to get to do ministry and that I was going to get to pour into people and love on people like around the world. But I, I wasn't going to get to have those, like, I wasn't going to get to, to pour into women the same way I had been over the last, yeah, like over the last year. And so I was really sad to leave like that kind of, kind of ministry and community behind. Mm-hmm. Well, so I get on the world race and one of the things they ask you to do is they ask you to keep a blog and like they hand it to you and it has your name on it. And they say, we want you to write twice a week. No, I'm a super rule follower. Like, that's totally something you should know about me. I, If you give me a rule, I promise you I'll follow it. Um, and so I was like, okay, I need to start like writing and and, um, and blogging twice a week, but not realizing like what it could turn into. Um, so I started writing and sharing like um, the things I was going through and the ways I was learning or the ways that I was growing and the things God was doing in me and through me. And I loved it. And the best part was that I started getting feedback from people. I started getting like blog comments And emails from people telling me like, I really needed to hear this. This really helped me with where I am right now. And sort of over that year, I realized that these two, one, a passion for writing was totally born that year. And it collided with my passion for being in women's lives and just walking through things together. I just didn't realize it could happen through writing or in a blog. And really that's how it began. Um, And so, so I did that for the, for the year that I was on the world race. And when I came home, I started kind of my own blog. Um, And it's totally changed over the last five years. I mean, I've grown and it's like looked in a million different ways and stuff, but I mean, the heart's been the same. And really it comes from being a small group leader to those women, just being like, Hey, let's walk through this together. Um, But really that's how it started. So would you say that that was your end goal when you
1: first started? Like, obviously for the World Race, your goal was follow the rule. To yeah. Do yeah. what they told me to do. <laughs> but as it's sort of evolved over the years, like what most of your readers are familiar with, or your listeners at this point, is not the World Race blog, for the most part. It's the, the lipstick gospel, what it's grown into, com. Yeah. What was the end goal for that when you started it out, as it was like sort of piggybacking on the World Race blog?
0: Yeah. Um, all the other things courses and speaking and all the other things, podcasting, um, all the other things that it's led into, um, just kind of has, has happened like step by step. I didn't really see, I didn't. So you started your blog as a way to market your book. I totally did not have a book. Um, but when I started the blog, I just wanted to share life with women, which
1: is so interesting, like the different positions and the different directions people can come at blogging from. And I'm sure the girls who are listening that either have a blog or have started one or want to start one, are sort of like maybe feeling overwhelmed by that, like all the different positions you can come from and all the different directions it can take. I think if we like maybe like back up a step, I think one of the very first questions I asked you when we went on our first burrito date was what is the most important thing about starting a blog? Like if we can just like boil it down, what would you say is like the very first and most important step,
0: I guess? I would say just get started. Um, I have, I have a lot of friends who have blogs and I've walked a lot of women through kind of the process of starting blogs. And I know that the, the, one of the places we get stuck more than any other is in trying to make it perfect before we even launch it, Mm -hmm. um, in wanting to know exactly what like the theme of the blog is going to be exactly what the end game is going to look like, um, exactly, you know, what, um, like exactly what it should look like. I feel like designing the blog is this huge hang-up for a lot of us. And mm-hmm. um, we want it to be absolutely perfect before we even get started with sharing it with anybody. Um, but the thing that I've really learned is that you learn so much through the process of doing. Um, and and if you can just get started, you figure out so much along the way. The other thing um is so so really there's like no school like just getting started and figuring it out and posting a blog post and seeing how it does um, and then posting another one and seeing how it does. Um, seeing what people's feedback is, seeing what works, seeing what doesn't. I mean, the whole thing, the thing that's beautiful about websites is that you can constantly change them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so by getting started, you're not like sealing the deal that you have to stay there. My blog originally, I think was, was so it was before I was married. So it was stephanielouisemay.wordpress.com um, and the I don't know. I could show you the header. I think I saved it somewhere, but it's like awful. And I mean, it had, the lipstick gospel was one section of things I wanted to talk about because it wasn't a book yet. So that was like the heart stuff. But I also wanted to like feature women. And I also wanted to basically make it Pinterest. And I wanted to make (laughs) all these different things. So it was like so many things. um, And it's kind of transformed and taken different shapes over time. But it's because I've like kind of figured out what I like, what I don't like. And the only way you can do that is by getting started. Um, And the other thing is, I think that, um, there's something really beautiful that happens in the beginning of a blog and that is that nobody reads it. Like you put it out there and like your mom reads it and she thinks it's great. You know, (laughs) your mom's
1: always going to think it's great. Your
0: mom's going to think it's great, but like no one else is really going to read it right at first where it's like two people and then it's four people and six people or whatever, but you don't get better until you start practicing. And the beauty of practicing at the beginning is that no one's really watching, but you still are practicing. So by Mm -hmm. the time you get better... Lots more people are watching, but you're also better by the time more people are watching. Mm-hmm. You would never want to launch a blog and have a gazillion readers. It would be so overwhelming and really scary, and you're not ready for it yet. Um, so I think like the biggest, most important thing is get started. Jump in. Get your feet wet. You totally cannot mess this up. Um, I think the only way you can mess it up is by not getting started. And I think
1: this is a really great opportunity for us to insert your new mantra that you've been saying lately, and I've heard you saying it. <laughs> See so, yourself? <laughs> yes. As we start
0: this podcast. Like, maybe in the corner, like, rocking or something, you know? <laughs> Um so So, um, as I've been getting started with this podcast, I mean, the truth is, like, starting this podcast feels like starting a blog all over again. I... I always say like when I was designing my first blog, which we'll talk about technology in a little bit, but when I was creating my first blog, I felt like I was all thumbs with like hockey gloves on trying to like work WordPress. It was like <laughs> awful. And I feel that way with this podcast. I don't have any idea what I'm doing. Like, um, I said this in the intro for the podcast, but so we have this mic that like stands up. I didn't know which side you were supposed to speak into. So I'm like trying one side and like flipping it around and trying another side. I mean, you guys, I'm telling you, I don't know what I'm doing. And for a long time, it's cause me to put this off. Like Mari knows I, we've been talking about this forever mm-hmm. and I just haven't done it. And it's because I've wanted it to be perfect, which is totally against the advice I just gave you. And I have to, so I have to give it to myself. And so with this podcast, like I've been so nervous and like really scared to get started. But the thing I keep telling myself is it's okay to be a beginner. Everyone is a beginner at some point. It's okay to be a beginner. And it doesn't like God is able to work really beautiful things through beginners, through imperfect mm-hmm. blogs and podcasts. And so, um, I just keep telling myself like, Stephanie, it is okay to be a beginner, just be a beginner and admit it to the world. Like I'm a yeah. beginner and, and it's okay. And I'm going for it. And so I think if I can do it, you can do it too. Yeah. We'll say it together for your benefit. It's, it's okay, okay to be a, be a beginner. beginner.
1: <laughs> That's like, I think that boils down exactly what you told me at the beginning and like, yeah, we keep repeating it to each other in this season for different reasons, And I feel like if I'm, you know, representing the readers and listeners here, all this information you just gave me is so great and wonderful. And I remember feeling this in our first burrito meeting, but also really overwhelming and terrifying. And I feel like starting out any new ventures like that, but especially with blogging, when there's all these other aspects, like you said, we're going to talk about technology. We're going to talk about platform. We're going to break down some of these concepts that Steph and I have sort of just thrown out there right now. So, first of all, if you're feeling really scared, like, (laughs) don't worry. We'll come back to that. But also, like, in general, can we just talk about that, like, the fear? Like, the big F fear. Like, is it normal to feel absolutely terrified in the beginning? Because I know that I did. I'm
0: so glad that you said you did because I always feel afraid. Like, Mm -hmm. Mari came over this morning and I was like, Mari, I have this, like, low-grade anxiety all the time these days just mm-hmm. because starting anything new is just really scary um and it's like butterflies i swear they don't feel like butterflies they feel like rhinos like just like ramming <laughs> against your stomach you know um i think that everyone feels that way when they're starting something new they're you don't know how it's going to turn out you don't know if it's going to be good you don't know so many things there's so many unknowns And so I don't know if it's normal for other people, although I really want to go like interview anyone who's ever done anything and be like, please tell me you're scared too. Like Mm -hmm. shaking them by their shoulders. Um, but I'll say I'm always scared starting something new. Um, and it's every single thing, every single worthwhile thing I've ever done in my life has scared the pants off me. Um, and so I think that I've come to recognize that. And I just try to like show up anyway, like just day by day, just show up anyway, scared out of my mind, just do it anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, um, there are two quotes that I always kind of mix up. One's John Wayne, one's Jen Hatmaker. So, you know, same, same. same, same. Um, but I think that Jen Hatmaker says like, um, obedience is not a lack of fear. It's just doing it scared. Mm-hmm. Something like that. You guys, maybe I'll put the, the real quote in the show <laughs> notes. I'm not totally, uh, totally like messing that, messing that up. But, um, and then John Wayne's is something like saddle up anyway, but really I think that that's it. Like. Yes. It's really scary. At least it is for me. And I just try to keep going. Just try to keep like putting one foot in front of the other and showing up anyway. So if you're scared, I think that's super normal. We're with you. (laughs) Yes,
1: (laughs) It's okay to be scared. It's okay to be a beginner. Yeah. So now that we've gotten that out of the way, now that we're all holding hands and scared together, what would you say if we're scared and we just want to take one baby step? Say that baby step is content. Yeah. First step. How do you figure out even what to write about? How did you decide this is my
0: thing, yeah, um so I think there are a couple of things I think one um is write what you want to read, you know I think that that's um if you find yourself googling something or if you find you find yourself drawn towards something um I think that writing what you want to read is a is a big like big step in the right direction um there are a couple other things and and one of them is I think that a lot of there's this quote and I guess I don't really know who said it originally but um something about your mess being your message. Mm, And I uh think that in our lives, like we go through so much, we all have walked this different path. Um, and we all are uniquely uniquely qualified to talk about whatever the thing is just based on what we've been through and what God's taught us along the way and what he's done in us. And so I think that that's a really good hint as to what to talk about, like turn around on the path of your life and see what you've been through, because I promise you what you've been through is unique from what a lot of people have been through, but it's also the same as what a lot of people are going through. And they really could use a friend along the way. And so I think that that's a really great place to start. And then um, another question to kind of ask yourself is what do people ask for your advice about? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I have, um, you know, lots of friends that are really good at different things. And if you have this kind of problem, you call this person. If you have this kind of problem, you call this person. This is kind of a random example. And she's going to laugh if she hears this, but my friend Carly um, is really good at a lot of things. But one of them is she has really good taste. Like she's really, um, like really cute and like fashionable. So I, you saw me on Sunday or on Saturday, but I wore this hat, this like floppy hat that I've never worn before. I've had it for like a year, no, like three years. And I've never worn it. Cause it's always like, I'm just not cool enough to, to own it or wear it. So I put it on and I, I didn't, but I should have, I was going to text Carly a photo and be like, did I do this right? Because Carly's like the girl who would know that. Also hosting a dinner party no one knows that better than Carly so if so I feel like for Carly like that's a really big hint as to what people are always asking her about what people are always asking for her advice on like that's a great place to get started um and figuring out what you're going to write about and then the other thing about that is I think a lot of us feel like my blog is about this I need to know that but that's another thing about just getting started is that you're gonna shift and change and grow, and and as you move into different seasons, you're gonna talk about different things, and I think that that's okay. So just getting started, your message will kind of move with you. But as you're as you're going, um, think about what people might be needing from you, what you've been through, what you can speak on, um, what people are always asking your advice about, because there are other people in the world that need those things from you. So I think it's sort of this intersection of what you've been through, what you're interested in, and what people need. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if you're focusing on those kind of three things, you're going to have a really great start.
1: Yeah, and I think it's important to emphasize there that just because you've been through something doesn't mean you have to be the expert on it. And I think a lot of us, including me, make that mistake that like, well, yeah, people come to me for advice on this, but like I would send them to so-and-so who, of course, is so much smarter and more qualified and like blah, 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 like all these reasons why I'm not the one who should be writing about this. But I think that sometimes, actually most of the time, You don't really want to hear from the expert who has, like, already conquered this thing. Because if you're going through something or want advice on something, you kind of want that, like, that empathy of someone that's like, oh, yeah, that sucks. Mm -hmm. Like, let me help you through that. I was just in it and, like, by no means have, like, become the expert in it. But, like, here's what I figured out. Like, there's something about, like, the the vulnerability of someone who's, like, not completely qualified. Yeah. I think.
0: No, I think Like, so obviously, too. if you're gonna go see a doctor, like, you want someone with all <laughs> yeah. qualifications. Right. But... But I think that there's something really... You know, I think that sometimes we think we need to get people from A to Z in the problem. Mm-hmm. Like, you're at A, you're at the very beginning, I need to get you all the way through. Yeah. Sometimes we just need someone to help us get to B. Yeah. Like, you can for sure help someone get to B. Or C. Or... Or, you know, you can just walk with them as they get there as a fellow traveler, as someone who's been through it too. So yeah, you definitely don't need to be like the ultimate like doctoral expert. Also, you can look into those people and say, you know, here's what I can give you, but also talk to this person, get this book, you know, sign up for a class with her. You can also recommend things to people. And that's a totally legitimate thing too.
1: Yeah. But you can also just be the person saying me too. Isn't that Anne Lamott that says like the most powerful sermon is me too? Like, yes, we can do that for people. Totally. Um, but I think that even as you're saying that there's like this voice in the back of my head, that's always in the back of my head, that like squeaky little fear voice. That's like, but what if, and like the question that's popping up now is like, but what if I run out of things to say? I'm sure I'm not the only person who has thought that
0: like, yeah. (laughs) Yes. Oh, I think that totally happens when you're writing on a, like on a regular basis. Um, I think that it's totally makes sense to run out of things to say. Like we only have so much, you know, sometimes, but I think something that's really helped me is, is to be in constant communication with my audience. Um, I don't know how other people do it necessarily other than, I mean, big brainstorms, um, things like that help, talking with other friends about it. But something that's really helped me like consistently come up with things to talk about, like I have so many things to talk about, I can't get them out fast enough, <laughs> um, which is part of why I wanted to have this podcast so we could like talk through more of these things. Um, but something that's really helped me is being in communication, like back and forth communication with my readers. Um, I get lots of emails and I try to write back to as many of them as I can. Um, And I get, you know, questions on, you know, Instagram or direct, direct messages on Instagram instead of asking me questions. And my readers are telling me exactly what they need to hear from me, exactly what questions they have, exactly what problems they have in life. And so I've tried to use those as writing prompts. So I think that if you're talking to your audience, like whoever they may be, whether it's in person or um, whether you're, you know, talking online or they're sending you emails or whatever, listen to the questions they're asking mm-hmm. and, and they're giving you prompts for, for what to say next or what to write about next. And I feel like it's a never ending well then, because you have so many people helping you and and you're actually answering or helping them with problems they have, which that's such a beautiful meeting place of like someone having a problem and someone being able to help with it. Um, the intersection of that is, I think where like the magic happens. Yeah.
1: I would totally agree. But I feel like on the flip side, how do you know where to stop? Where are the boundaries? How, is, how much is too much?
0: Like when you're oversharing, what are the, the rules you have for yourself there? Yeah, well, um, so I think that there are a couple of different sides to go to like um, come at this from. So one of them is um, there's kind of a, an internet safety sort of thing, because although I have found the internet to be so friendly and so connective and, um, like I've made so many friends, honestly on Instagram, they're like my real life friends now. Um, and that's been, so I, I found that I found the internet and like kind of blogging communities and stuff to be really friendly, really warm places. But at the same time, you are still sharing your life on the internet and like anyone can follow you. Um, so you have to be careful about what you share. Like don't post your address. Um, we, Carl and I just recently moved into a new house, and you guys, I cannot tell you how much I wanted to post like
1: this <laughs> giant photo the <laughs> front of it. Like, this is
0: where we live. I'm so proud and excited. But I need to, while I want to share that with most of my followers, like, I also don't know exactly who's following me or, you know, so I have to be a little bit careful. So I couldn't post a photo of like the front of my house. And so there are just certain things like that that you want to be careful about. Um, but I think more when it comes to like heart things, I do think it's really important to share vulnerably because, um, that's usually that's like the most powerful powerful thing we can do to share our story and and to come clean about where we are and where we've been, um, because it makes other people feel not alone. And I think that that's like the nicest, kindest, most transformative we, thing we can do as as bloggers is to say, hey. I've been there too you're not alone and and some of sometimes and often that requires us sharing vulnerably about something mm-hmm. when it's really and and that's hard so i think that sometimes we're called to share things when they're hard even though they're hard and to like step out um boldly and bravely in that on the flip side though i think that we can really draw some lines as to what we share and it's really personal it's for it's totally up to you what those lines are um i tend to not share things quite as much when I'm currently going through them. Mm-hmm. It kind of depends on like how hard it is and how soon I, there's sort of this like continuum or so, like, um, how hard it is versus how soon I share. Mm-hmm. So sometimes like if I'm having a hard day, I'll share about it right away. But if I'm go- really going through something, I'm not always in the best place or I'm, I haven't always processed it enough to be able to give any advice on it. Cause I'm yes. really in the thick of it. So I'll wait until I've really worked through it with the people who are involved or, um, you know, really talked through it with someone who I, I love and trust and who can kind of counsel me. Um, I'll wait until it's a little bit like more in the rear view before, um, before I really share on it. And so, I mean, I think like I have blog friends who don't share pictures of their kid's face. They just don't feel comfortable doing that. So they show pictures of their kid from behind. Um, I have friends who show like blog friends and lots of friends who show like photos of their kids. Totally fine. Yeah. Um, I have friends that share really vulnerably about their relationships. I have friends who don't talk about their relationships. I even have friends who in certain seasons shared really vulnerably about their relationships and then decided they didn't want to anymore. Yeah. Um, and so I think that like your story is your story and you can share as much of it as you feel comfortable. Um, sometimes you sh- have to share things that are a little bit uncomfortable, but it's like for the sake of someone else. Um, but I think there's kind of a different sick feeling you get in your stomach of, this is really scary, but I know it's good versus this is really scary and this should be, like, should remain private. Yeah. I think the only other thing I would say on that is um, make sure to check in with the people in your life. If you're going to write about them, like, really check with them first. Let them read it. Um, give them totally, totally give them the power to say no or to ask you to change things. Um, I write about Carl, um, like, a lot. I, I love talking about him and the things I'm learning about marriage and and things he teaches me. But I, if he's in a blog post or in a post of some kind, I always check out with him because, he just needs to know that like like our lives aren't totally on display. He needs to have veto power and um needs to know that, that the things he wants to keep keep private are going to be kept private.
1: And I think that there's like little technical tip too that you can take creative license and change someone's name, right? Like that's totally a thing that people do.
0: Yeah. Yeah, sometimes like um yeah, you can change people's names. You can you can change the details on, on someone Um, I think I heard Donald Miller say one time, um, that you can tell the truth without giving all the facts. Mm -hmm. Um, and so like you can say, you can kind of mash people together, you know, and, and still tell the truth about what happened, but make it sort of the other person who was involved is kind of unrecognizable. Or, you know, if it was your freshman in college roommate, you could say it was a friend of yours in high school, sophomore year, so that the freshman roommate would have no idea it was them or you know, so it, it just kind of protects people. So you're still totally telling the truth about what happened and how it felt and what you learned and your side of it and stuff, but you don't need, you can do that without kind of throwing people under the bus. Yeah. There's that distinction there. Yeah. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Friends, springtime is finally here, but that also means allergy season is in full swing. As directed, Clareton, Thank you so much for sponsoring our girls' night. We love having you. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. As many of you know, I recently wrote a book, and while it was the most rewarding project of my career so far, it also came with a lot of hard work and long nights. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash friendship today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash friendship.
1: So I think that maybe we could switch gears a little bit and dig into some of that nitty gritty that we sort of had promised that we would come back to. Yeah. Um, and maybe even get through some of the reader questions um, so I think that one thing people had been wondering about is just platform. That's a big issue with blogging. If you have a blog and it's not growing as fast as you'd like, that can be really frustrating. Can we sort of address that a little bit? Like
0: tips and tricks? Yeah. It is really frustrating when you're creating something and putting it out in the world and you really want people to respond and care about what you're saying. You know, that was a lot of, when we did kind of the call for questions on Instagram, a lot of people said like, how do you get people to read and care about what you're saying? I think there are a couple of things in that. I think that, um, you get people to care about what you're saying by caring about them. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times when we create a blog, we, we kind of make it about us, which in some ways it is about us. Um, but I think that, um, we really need to be serving our audience. We need to be thinking about what they need and how to relate to them and how to help them. Um, I, I think that that's a big way to, to grow your blog and a big way to make an, an impact in your blog is just think about your reader. And if you want people to care about you, care about them first and really um, serve them, give them what they need, help them out along the way. Um, did you have a question about that?
1: Yeah. Well, even as you were saying, like, I think you accidentally said your your reader, that like we were sort of joking that like at first it may just be your mom reading. And so it's tough to sort of frame your content around your one reader if it's just your mom. And I think that a phrase that maybe would be thrown around in
0: the publishing world there is target audience. Mm-hmm. And maybe we can talk a bit about that. Yeah, totally. So um yeah, at first you're j- just your mom's reading. And I <laughs> kind of don't think my mom's not my target audience. She's probably not <laughs> yours. Um, But I think that having someone in mind that you're writing for is really important. Um, I think something we tend to do in our blogs is to say they're for everybody, but like they can't really be for everybody because you would talk, if you think about like your five closest friends, well, you talk to each of them differently based on what they're going through, what they need, their personalities, um, their ages, their stage of life. Like you just address them differently and you talk about different things with them. Um, and so I think having a clear picture of who you're writing for is really important. And the thing that happens there is like when you shoot narrow, you hit wide. So I, you know, initially, and the age has kind of grown up a little bit, but at first I was really writing for that small group that I led. Um, And I kept picturing them and and I'd write to them. And so girls would write to me and say, like, it feels like you're writing directly to me. And I'm like, well, I mean, I'm writing directly to them, but you're in the exact same stage of life as them. So really it's hitting home with you. But even though I was writing for these college girls, um, women of lots of different ages would would connect to it. Um, But I think that when you do the opposite and you try to hit wide, You don't really hit anybody because it doesn't really connect with anybody.
1: Yeah, and it feels counterintuitive to to say, like, I'm going to focus on this one small group, especially if you're trying to gain momentum. Yeah. But it absolutely, like you said, it ends up working in the opposite way than you'd think.
0: It does. It's like the weirdest like reverse economy. But I promise you it works. And people way smarter than me promise that it works. And so really knowing exactly who you're writing to and knowing what they're going through, like having the conversations with them and and figuring out what it is that they're going through in life and really serving those needs. So if if your target is college girls, like, and you're not a college girl anymore, or even if you are, just talk to your friends and figure out what they're going through and then write to them, help them with those things. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that's part of it. I think um, another thing is um, it just takes a long time to grow something like this. Like it really does. Um, I heard, again, Donald Miller say one time, give yourself 10 years give yourself 10 years. Oh, which I feel like in my inner self is like no. I, that's so long. I know, because it because partially because that feels like forever. And then the other thing is like it seems like people are just making it. Like all of a sudden they yes. pop up a blog and it's just huge. Yep. But that really doesn't happen very often and the people who are huge we normally see them and and the truth is they've been working at it forever. It's mm-hmm. kind of like an iceberg. Isn't there some sort of um stat where it's like 99% of it's underwater yep. or something and 1% of it you can see. I feel like that's how it is. I heard um someone, I can't remember if they were talking to Jen Hatmaker. One time, I think I think I heard an interview with Jen Hatmaker before. Um and she was talking about being at a, a like a meet and greet or something with a friend. Her friend was like, "Hey, this is my friend Jen. She's written two books." And Jen looked at her friend and was like, "I've written 11 books." And I think she just came out with her 12th. Like she's written 12 books and her friend didn't even know because so much of her work, so much of what she's she is so well known now and is like a best-selling author and you know always on the today show and stuff like that so much of the work that built that is like underground. Mm-hmm. Um and so I think that there just really isn't any such thing as an overnight success like people are just working at it and growing little by little like little trickles um and so I think it's I think when you can kind of picture it that way and think of the long game instead of the short game it's less defeating mm-hmm. and also just really focusing on enjoying the long game. I said my goal at the very beginning of my blog, and I have to remind myself of this all the time because it's really easy to get caught up in numbers and things. But I said, if I can serve one girl, if I can make one girl's life better, I am totally satisfied. My job is done. Anything else is bonus. Anything else is like toppings, you know? Um, I'm like picturing an ice cream sundae right now. Maybe I'm <laughs> hungry. Um, and so I think that when I can focus on like just one girl, just help one girl, it just brings me back to the reason I started doing this in the first place. And it makes it less, um, less frustrating, Mm -hmm. you know, but it really is a long game, like for everybody. And like we talked about a little bit earlier, if your blog blew up right away and you were still at the very beginning, you would absolutely not be ready for that kind of attention. Like, I mean, um, going back to the Jen Hatmaker example, she's like, my first books were awful. My first blog posts were awful. I'm so glad more people weren't reading them, but like through practicing and growing little by little by little, once more people are paying attention, I'm ready for more people to be paying attention. So really it's just a long game.
1: That totally makes sense. And even as we're working on our long game, I think to get back to like the nitty gritty, like help us with our baby stuff, how do we maintain that, that momentum? How do we continue to build that as we're building our platform and taking it step by step and like working on our 10 year plan? How does the momentum build? What are tips for momentum? I think is a big phrase we've gotten.
0: Yeah, totally. I think that the biggest thing is to just write consistently, um, which is hard because that's really hard. And also I feel a little bit like a hypocrite because I haven't been doing that very well lately. Um, But really, especially at first when I started blogging, I mean, I was okay for a while I was blogging Three times a week. Wow. That's I, amazing. I have no idea how I did it. I had a full-time job. I have no idea. I have Good for no you idea. I know. On you. you were in those burritos. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> um, also, my girlfriend Casey would need me to mention the fact that she fed me basically that whole year. Like, we were roommates and we'd come home from work and I would sit and work on my blog and just type away furiously and she'd make me dinner. So, oh. basically, Casey kept me alive and I just wrote a ton for the so first get So, like, get a Casey. So, get a Casey. Yes. Um... But so I think that the biggest thing, you do not have to write three times a week. And really one of the questions we've gotten a lot is how often do you need to write? Yeah. I would say once a week. I think once a week is fine. Um, But I think the the key to momentum is that if you were performing on a street corner, if you were like a singer and you were standing on a street corner, you would go that first day and maybe a couple people would meander by and they would hear you and you're wonderful. And so maybe they'd stop to listen. Now, if you came back the next day and sang again, and they were kind of meandering by, maybe they would stop, and maybe they would have invited a friend just to see if you might be there. Well, if you show up a third day, they're going to kind of start to expect you that you're going to be back, and they might have invited a couple more friends, and the crowd's going to start to grow. If you keep coming back and coming back and coming back, people are going to know to expect you, and they're going to keep showing up and bringing their friends Well, if you start just totally being like sporadic about it and you show up and then don't and whatever, they're never going to know when to expect you. And they're not going to bring their friends because they're not going to know if there's anything there for them to share. Um, And so I think that really the key is just serving your reader and giving good things to them and helping them through a problem in their lives and doing it again and again and again for a long time. Consistently. Consistency Consistency is key. Totally. Okay. And is is that... Like your number one tip? I think that's my number one tip. It's like, yeah, just be consistent and keep doing it and keep showing up. Um, I know that that's like not flashy or sexy or like, um, this is how to go viral, but like really I think momentum, it just comes when you keep showing up and you keep doing the thing and, and, um, really people bring their friends back.
1: Yeah. There's no magic. We're all waiting for that magic piece of advice. That's like a quick
0: fix. I know there's not Yeah. Just keep showing up. Um, there is something like in terms of, cause I feel like Maybe like the next question would be like, okay, yeah, but really, how do I grow this thing? <laughs> but seriously, stuff. But seriously, like tell me the thing. So I think there are a couple of things you can do. Um, I think that um, finding people to partner with is a really good thing. So um, something that I kind of did early was um, I would guest post on other people's blogs or on magazine sites or um, like I, I was kind of a regular contributor for a couple of different um, online magazine kind of things um, for a long time. And that was really helpful then. I think that that's trickled off a little bit. Like I think if we read something on some sort of like, I don't know, if you click on BuzzFeed and you read something on BuzzFeed, like how often do you actually go to find out who the writer was? Uh Um, So I think that that doesn't work quite as well as it did for me kind of back in the beginning. But I really made some great blog friends um, back in the day. And we've really maintained contact. And and I've made more and more friends that were kind of just doing this together. And I found that when we work together and kind of share each other with our own people it really like grows us both so it's kind of like um like a band that's opening for a bigger act like by being the the, the opening band for that act the big person's audience is seeing the little band and I think that that the same kind of thing happens um, when we kind of share each other so maybe that's as simple as like doing kind of a shout out for each other on Instagram saying hey my friend so-and-so is doing really great things you should go over there and check her out and if you both do that you both each get you know 20 new followers from that Mm -hmm. um, and that's a really beautiful thing and I think sometimes we get in our heads that like competition like you should kind of edge out your competition. But I just—I've never found that to be helpful. Like when we compete against each other, like nobody wins. But if we mm-hmm. say, "I have a hundred followers and I think they love you," "You have a hundred fo- followers and you think they love me," people follow more than one Instagram account yes. or read more than one blog. Let's share each other. Great, now we both have two hundred. That's amazing.
1: And I think it's worth noting that you can collaborate with people who aren't necessarily doing the exact same thing you do. Like for example, I had a girl who was willing to take pictures for the bio on my blog because she needed a bio written for her photography blog. Yeah. You know, I mean, then you're trading services and saving money and you're also giving each other exposure maybe to like, you know, people who follow her photography blog, then read my Christian blog or yeah. people who read my blog are like, Oh, I totally need a photographer. Yeah. So you're collaborating across skills too, which totally. is kind of
0: awesome. Yeah. I think that when you can gather together with women who have kind of the same goal as you um, and, and want to serve their readers in, the, in a similar way, like, in lots of different, um, yeah, it doesn't have to be, they they don't have to serve them in exactly the same way, but have kind of the same like end goal for them. I think that that's a really big thing. And I know that that's something I actually click over for. That's something I actually will check out is if someone I follow and respect says, hey, you need to check out what this girl's doing. Mm -hmm. That's something that has really grown my audience. And I know that like, if I do that for someone else, then people actually follow because they trust us. And yeah. so that's a really special thing. We should guard that and be careful with it and, you know, have, be respectful of that. But I think that that's a really big thing is making friends with other bloggers and working together on things because Mm -hmm. you really are sort of opening for each other. You know, Mm -hmm. you're an opening act for each other. Um, in that, I would say, make sure that the people that you're sharing with are about your same size. Um, because I think that, you know, if we call up, I feel like I keep picking on Jen Hatmaker or like (laughs) just whatever. I just got her new book and I'm really excited about it. So go, you guys should check it out. Um, but like, if I were to like call Jen Hatmaker and be like, you should put my book on your blog. She'd be like, we don't know each other. Like that's, and also like, I don't know. What? I think that, you know, to have people that are kind of in my same stage saying, Hey, let me help you. And let me help you when it can be mutually beneficial. You really can lift each other up. And I think that's a huge way of getting in front of new, getting in front of new eyes.
1: Yep. And creating community, which is so important and something that we're all about.
0: Yeah, totally. Okay. So I feel like we need to move
1: into maybe a little more of a sensitive topic, but how do you make money off of a blog? The money question.
0: <laughs> yes. How does this thing become lucrative? Yeah, okay, that's a great question. Um so there are like a handful of ways that people make money off of blogs. Um one of them's advertising, so selling like sidebar ad space or things like that. Um that's not as lucrative as it used to be and it's not super lucrative unless you have like a bazillion blog followers. Um, So I kind of, I wouldn't necessarily recommend that. Like you could maybe get like 10 bucks a month, which isn't, necessarily what we're all like after. Um, another thing is sponsored posts, which I don't really, um, I don't do this at all, but I know a lot of people who do, especially if they're more in like lifestyle blogging Mm -hmm. where, um, brands of like, you know, different companies will partner with bloggers because brands want to get in front of different audiences also. And so if a blogger is like really good at styling a home and like, that's their thing is like, you know, DIY in their house and doing a really great job. Well, you know, a brand might say, Hey, let me, give you this thing to put in your house. This vacuum is awesome. This vacuum, yeah. Seriously, this vacuum is awesome. Um, I'm going to give you the vacuum and I'm actually going to pay you to talk about the vacuum on your social media or on your blog. So yep. that's something that a lot of people do. Um, especially if they're kind of more lifestyle Um, I've never found, I've, that's never been my avenue because I've, I don't know. I think my example is like, I don't know how I'd be like, um, like Jesus sucks away your sins, just like this Dyson vacuum. Like I, I don't know how to make that work in my life. And it would be kind of a stretch. It would be kind of a stretch. So make sure that, however you're, um, you know, whatever way you're kind of making money with your platform, like, really goes along with what you talk about. Um, so that's another thing, though. And you, you can you can pitch companies, and they can pitch you. Um, but that's another way of doing it is working with brands. Um, affiliates is kind of another way where um. Amazon is a a thing where you can have an Amazon affiliate account account where if you say, hey, you should buy this Dyson vacuum and someone buys it, Amazon will give you a little cut of it. And there are different products and courses and things like that, that if you advertise for them, you get a cut of what they sell. Um, This kind of, this next one's really been the way that I've gone about it. um, And that's to create products, um, books and courses and workbooks and different things like that. I think that... Me turning this in, this turning into a business really happened in kind of the craziest way. But um, the women in our community were just sending me emails, asking me questions about things. And I was writing blog posts as fast as I could. But I didn't feel like I could really address the things that were going on in like 800 words. Like it's just, they're deeper than that. They're bigger than that. And so that's when I started creating courses like my make the most of your single life course. I was getting emails from women all the time saying, you know what, I'm single and it's really hard and all my friends are getting married and I don't know what to do and I don't know how to date. I don't know where God is and all this. Like what am I doing? And a blog post just wasn't cutting it. And so um that's when I created something bigger, um, which is the course that I have now to try to really like walk people all the way through the problem or or like as far as I can take them, you know? Um and so that's kind of the route that I've chosen to go is to just create products that more deeply answer the questions I know that my audience is asking. And so that's totally a way too. Um, and then kind of the last one that I can think of is speaking, um, which is, is a way of totally um, making money off of your, your platform. Um, and then also, you know, writing books and book contracts and stuff. But I think that the biggest thing with all these things, is that focusing on blogging, I think is the first step because like you were talking about with, with pitching your book to a publisher, well, the publisher's a business too. And they want to know that you're going to be able to help sell the book that you wrote. And so if you have like your five people and your mom following you and you say, (laughs) I have this book, like you can maybe get those five people and your mom to, to buy it. And the publisher will do their part, but that's not, they want kind of a bigger audience already waiting for your book. Yeah. Make yourself um, less of a risk for them. Totally. Yeah. yeah. They want to, you know what, they want to make sure they can make their money back on the book. Yeah. Um, and so I think that when we really focus on our blog and, and gathering a really great group of women who's, or men, um, who's, who's engaged with what we're talking about, who we're really serving well, then... From there, we can offer them more products, or we can—they'll trust. We have enough people, and they'll trust us enough to say, "Hey, this Dyson vacuum is really good." Yeah. Or, um, you know, we'll have enough people following us, just and one of them will say, "Hey, I'm having an event. We'd love for you to come," yeah. um, or you know, a publisher to say, "Yes, this is worth the risk." Yeah. So, I think that really focusing on your blog and really investing in your community when it's tiny and as it grows, and just being consistent is like the way to to really end up making this like possibility for like to be your job
1: yeah so that those those themes that keep coming up consistency platform long game Mm -hmm. like just sticking with it sticking with it totally so i think that the topic that really needs to be addressed now is the technology thing like we've talked about content we've talked about the process what about the technology for those of us who are super overwhelmed (laughs) maybe not tech
0: savvy maybe not tech literate how do we get started that's an awesome question. So um, people always ask me if I've built my website or, you know, if I had someone else do it. And the true answer is that I built most of my websites. Which is amazing to me. It's, well, and I, I'm yeah, telling I you, stuff. at first it was like I was all thumbs wearing hockey gloves. Like I could not figure out how to work WordPress to save my life, but I just kept poking around. Um, I'd be like, is this changing this or this? Anyway, it it was kind of a mess, but I just kept poking around like I'm not particularly tech savvy or tech literate or anything, but I just kind of kept poking around long enough that I figured it out. And so if I can figure it out, you can figure it out. Just keep practicing. Um, But the places to start um, are uh, Squarespace has really beautiful websites that are free. I think at first, or a small fee, which is totally worth it. Squarespace is awesome. And they're really, really user-friendly. I Um, use Squarespace too, so I could second that. Totally. Yeah. So it's, it's really easy to use. Um, they're really beautiful. So Squarespace is totally a place to start. Um, my first blog was on wordpress.com, which everything's kind of hosted in one. They have beautiful themes that you can just pick and customize. Um, it has slightly like a limited capacity of what it can do, um, which is what WordPress.org is. We're getting like kind of techie, but WordPress.org, you have to sort of, um, you have to do hosting and you have to connect your URL to it. It's just a little bit more complicated. So you might want to bring in someone else to help you at that point. And it's able to do a little bit more. But to start out with, I use WordPress.com. Um, my shop is still on Squarespace. Um, Now my website's on wordpress.org, but um, if you want to get started, I would say Squarespace or wordpress.com, but probably Squarespace. It's just beautiful and really easy to use.
1: So we've got the tech covered. We have some of the content covered. You've got your website, you meandered your way through
0: WordPress, and you figured out a site. There are also lots of tutorials, so watch all the tutorials. Yes. They'll tell you what to do, and really, like, if you feel like an idiot, just keep showing up and, like, do (laughs) it for a couple weeks. Be a beginner. Be a beginner. You'll be able to figure it out to have it, like, be good enough. Absolutely.
1: So a buzzword that we use a lot is branding. I feel like that's one of the next big steps is how do you brand a blog what do you call it? How do you, like, just those, like, little
0: baby steps that feel really overwhelming in the beginning. Can totally. we just talk about those? Yeah. Well, so, part of this is that, like, this stuff can all change as you go. Like, it's, you can change it with the click of a button. And so, don't get too hung up on this in the beginning. But if you want to bring your blog, my favorite way to think about it is, um, what do I want it to feel like? Like, do I want it to feel like you're at a coffee shop with a girlfriend or do I want it to feel like you're sitting in a boardroom getting like, you know, like kick butt business advice? Mm -hmm. Or do I want it to feel like, um, like, so super unbuttoned or super formal or, um, super girly or more neutral or, um, and, and the colors you pick and the fonts you pick and stuff that all, um, feeds into that. I think the biggest thing that's been, the thing that's been so transformative for me when it comes to branding is photos. Um, when you, I feel like if we were to look at two blogs side by side and you'd say this one's really beautiful, this one's like okay, or like looks kind of amateurish, I swear the difference usually isn't the font or the colors or anything, it's the photos. Because most like themes, like website themes are very basic. It's like the photos that bring it to life. And so you mentioned this earlier, but getting together with a girlfriend who's a photographer, I think we all know or could find a friend of a friend who's a photographer and either paying them because they're totally worth it or... Finding something you can like really trade services for. So if they have kids, like babysit for them mm-hmm. or, you know, something where it's really a win-win. But I had a girlfriend um, who took my initial shots for my for my blog and I really told her what I was thinking and what I wanted it to feel like. And she took photos that added the personality to my my blog that I still have today. And so I think that having someone to be able to capture you in a way that feels authentic to you and... Where you feel like you look like you and you you're really representing what you want this space to kind of be about, I think that that is the biggest thing when it comes to branding. It's just good photos. It makes all the difference on a website and i if I can add my two cents in totally, if you're the type of person like me where you're not
1: super visionary in that that the thought of just like you know imagining what you want and then making it a reality with these photos, if that's super overwhelming. Um, my husband's a designer and he helped me design my blog. And one thing he did was he took me to this website called Designspiration. So like inspiration with design at the beginning. And it just has like a bunch of different pictures and pieces of art. And it's just like all thrown on there. You can kind of just scroll through and you can make a board. So he just sent me there and said, click on everything that you like. So I just like for, you know, 45 minutes was scrolling through, clicking on things I like. And eventually we just sort of had this like, without meaning to, I had made this mood board. And we were able to sort of like suss out oh, it seems like I really like, you know, simple black and white aesthetics. Oh, I really like handwritten fonts. And, like, you're able to pick up on, oh, I didn't even realize I liked that or wanted that. And from that, it's much easier if you're working with a designer or a photographer for them to sort of look at that and build off of that rather than just like, oh, I don't, I would just say, you know, oh, I don't know. I just like simple things. Like, that mm-hmm. is unhelpful Don't tell anyone to a anything. professional and to yourself. Like, do yourself a favor and just, like, go out there and get a mood board going.
0: I did the same thing on Pinterest. I found photos of women, even some of them kind of looked like me, where I was like, I like what they're wearing. I like that they're standing in a kitchen. Or I like that they're on a couch. Or I like that, I like how bright the photo is. And and I did the same thing. I came up with like 10 photos or something that I either liked the pose or the position they were in, or um, I really liked the colors. And it really, I mean, if you look at the mood board, it really is what my website looks like now. So that's super helpful. So, um, I feel like kind of on this, I got a question, um, that asked like, how much money should you expect to invest in your blog up front? And like, mm-hmm. what should you do on your own? What, like, what do you not need to do on your own? So kind of the short answer is, um, I didn't, um... I didn't really invest very much money up front into my blog. And i that's kind of the way I like to do things. I think that just like it doesn't need to be perfect before you get started, I think that putting a lot of money in up front makes it a lot more pressure-filled instead of letting it grow kind of organically. So I didn't like pay for a whole bunch of things up front. I didn't have a professional design my website up front. And um, these days I have, I pay more people to help me with things because they're better at them. And um, and I've been able, like, you know, things have grown enough to the point where I can actually do that without it, like make me feel like I'm dying because I spent so much money. Um, but really, I still don't, I still don't put that much money into my blog. I've kept it really pretty simple. Um, and so I would say that most of blogging is DIYable for a really long time, um, minus photos. I would either pay someone to do that or, trade services with someone to do that. So photos are the, the first thing I'd invest in. Um, and you can set up your own blog. You really can do that. Um, like look up tutorials. If at some point you want to have someone help you with design elements, like designing a cool header or whatever, you can totally pay for that too. Um, actually in the show notes, I'll make sure, um, or you'll have to remind me, but I'll make sure to link to some people who can do some of that work. Like people who've done things for me. Oh, that's a great idea. Um, yeah. Just people that I love and trust and, yeah. Um, and yeah, so we'll make sure to do that too, yeah,
1: um, and as we're talking about branding, I think it's important to talk about naming your blog like that's a huge thing, yeah, I call my website, and
0: how does that even work with domain names? yeah, um, so there's a website called Name Checker, and I think it's c h e k e r or something like that, okay, um, but check up or look up um like name checker and name checker when you put in a name checks all of the websites that you might want that name on. So like Instagram and and YouTube and you know, .com and it look, looks up how many, like who's taken that name before. So that's really helpful. So you don't have to like go around because I think one of the goals is that you want your Instagram, all your handles like Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and whatever, and your website to be as similar as possible because the whole goal is that it's memorable. Not like it'll stick out in your brain, but just that people can remember it. Like what's Mari's website? Like what's Stephanie's website? Well, it's her name. Okay. If I know her name, I can get there. Um, I had a girl one time ask me about a a URL and it was, I think in like Greek or like ancient Hebrew or something like that. And I couldn't spell it to save my life. So how in the world would I have found her blog? Um, and so I think that really like more than it being fancy or, or like special even we're just trying to give people our address where they can find us. And so I think the simpler, the better. And I, um, for a long time, you guys might not know this, but my website was thelipstickgospel.com, um, which if you go to that now, it'll just redirect you to my name. Um, I ended up changing it because then all of a sudden there was a book called The Lipstick Gospel and I didn't want it to be confusing. Um, but I, my website has been my name for the last couple of years because, um, I just like that it's sort of a high enough umbrella that I can talk about a lot of things underneath it. And if I decide I want to talk a little bit more about one thing and a little less about something else, I don't have to change the name. Um, And so I think that like my biggest advice was like, don't even feel like you need to kind of like get cute about the name. Just pick something simple, pick your name. Um, And the easier you can make it to remember, the better. Mm -hmm. And the more you can make it kind of consistent across any place where people would look for you, the better. It really is your address. Like, Mm -hmm. where can I find you? Here's my address. I want to be able to get there, you know, without getting lost along the way. Yes. I think that's super good
1: advice and advice you've given me. Um, So if we're going to move into a couple of questions now that are a little less technical, but more like heart stuff that we've heard from the readers and it's stuff that like you and I have talked about. And I think they're just such good questions. Um, One of them is, oh, such a heart issue. Do you ever feel like everything worth writing about has already been written? Like there's no room left for you. I certainly have this feeling and I'm sure you have.
0: Yeah, absolutely, because there are so many bloggers in the world and so many people doing all different kinds of things that it really um, sometimes can feel like there's just not room for you and, and like you're doing something that's already been done. and It just feels like you have nothing special to offer. I absolutely understand that feeling. Um, but the truth is that each of us has a unique story and each of us has a unique way of sharing that story. Um, and so really exactly how we would do something hasn't been done. It just hasn't. Um lots of things. I mean, it's in Ecclesiastes somewhere, I think that it says there's nothing new under the sun. So part of it's that, that like, you know, every, everyone's already done something, but also we're unique. And the message God's given us is unique. And the story we have in our lives is unique. The way we'll share it is unique. And so we have something to share, um, something important to share that the world needs us to share. And then my biggest question that I like come back to when I'm feeling this way is, is there too much goodness in the world? Is there too much um, love in the world? Does every woman know that she's worthy of love and respect and um, and and love? Does every woman know that about herself? Um, does every person in the world know Jesus? Uh, is there too much like joy in the world? Okay, well, none of those uh, things are true. No, <laughs> yeah, none, yeah. none on all accounts. Um, and so until that's true, like it's not saturated. The market's not saturated until that's true. Um, and so until that's true, like there's just keep writing. Yeah. Like there's totally room for all of us, but I mean, that's a hard thing. And so if you're feeling that way, know that you're totally not alone. Even people who have a bazillion gazillion followers feel that way, yep. but it's just not true. Like until, until everyone in the world knows how loved they are and knows the Lord. And like, no, I mean, the market's just not saturated until that happens.
1: Another heart question How do you get past the fear of what people are going to ask or sorry, what people are going to think? Yeah.
0: um, And ask and ask seriously. Well, so, um, I think that something that holds us back from writing a lot of times is like fear of what people from high school are going to think or what our families are going to think as we're sharing stories about our lives or, um, you know, negative feedback. I mean, they're just, it's, you're putting your heart out on the line when you're blogging and telling your story, which I think is totally going back to the beginning where the fear comes from. Um, but I think that the thing I come back to when I think of that is like, the mission is bigger than the fear. Like it is. We're here to all the things I just said, tell women about Jesus and and that he loves them and that they're loved and they're worthy and they're beautiful and that they have things to offer in the world. We have a big mission. And I just think that it's, it, it stinks to let even the possibility of other people disapproving of what we're doing get in the way of that mission. And and a lot of times they don't react the way you think they're going to. Sometimes they do and that's really hard. Getting hard negative feedback is really hard um and I think like I mean I just go cry with the people that I love and and they, you know, pick me back up and dust me off and send me back out cuz that happens sometimes. Um but I just think that it's like it just would be tragic if we were all kept down or kept quiet by the fear of what people would think. And so I think we just have to focus on the mission and let the mission, the call to the mission be stronger um, than the fear of what people might think.
1: Yeah. And last sort of heart question before we start to wrap it up. I think it's the heart of the question is how do you reach that balance between self-promotion and like serving God with what you write how do you make sure it's not all about you, but at the same time, like that's
0: your job? Yeah. Um, that's super tricky. And I think that we, we can kind of fall in a couple of camps. Like we can either make it all about us or we can be like, you know, this is all about the Lord. So I'm not sharing with anybody, um, which also makes no sense. The thing that helps me is to think about it, um, is to think about churches. So churches are houses of worship. They're places for people to come and get to know the Lord. That's their only purpose. But churches advertise; they have to. They send out invitations to people to come to the church, so that they can find out about Jesus and find out that He loves them. Um, and I think that I think of it in the same way: by promoting things on social media, by sharing our blog posts with our friends, by talking about what we're writing, we're sending out invitations to people to come and bump into the Lord, or bump into a way to get healthy in their bodies, or you know, I mean, whatever thing we're talking about, we're sending out an invitation for them. their lives to be better. Um, And I think that's really when we can think about it that way, I think that strikes the balance. So which is important, like that's why it's so important for us to be serving our readers and knowing what they need and making it about them. Um, Because if it's just about us, like I mean we could write a journal. You know, if we want to just talk about what's going on in our lives and that's it, we can just write a journal. That's okay. Um, But if we're we're having a blog and we're trying to serve our, our audience, I think it's easier to talk about it because instead of saying hey come look at this thing I wrote, we're saying hey I have a strategy for getting over a breakup and I would love to share it with you. If your heart's broken, I'd love to help you. That's a totally different invitation. Um, And I think that that's kind of the way that I've been able to strike the balance. At least, I mean, and obviously we always swing from side to side and sometimes we do it wrong. Sometimes I totally do it wrong. But um, when I'm like, that's the thing I try to shoot for. I
1: can can feel maybe one or two girls. I feel like I can hear them. But what if what I'm writing about my content isn't God-focused? What if I want to write about nutrition? Or what if I want to write about fitness if it's not, like, overtly God-centric? Is just writing with excellence enough? Like, how do you serve God with your content if it's not overtly worshipful?
0: No, I mean, I think that, like, art in general is worshipful. I think that doing the thing that we're Um, like God wires us uniquely. Like I'm not a fitness coach. I'm not, I don't know anything. I mean, I know like basic stuff about nutrition, but not really. So the fact that you're interested in nutrition or interested in whatever the thing is, I think God put that in you. And I think that you can serve him and serve his people by helping them through whatever the problem Mm -hmm. is. Um, and so if you're helping people, be physically fit. Like that's a beautiful thing because you're helping their lives be longer and their lives be better and more full. You're helping them feel more confident in their own skin. And I think that that, even if it's not overtly like focused on God, that's a beautiful thing to help someone do. Um, and so by promoting that, you're saying, Hey, let me help you be healthier. Like that's a beautiful, that's a beautiful invitation as well. It doesn't have to be like overtly God focused. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Agreed.
1: So before we wrap it up and go celebrate with burritos, do you have any last pieces of advice or tips or tricks,
0: any last thoughts on blogging? I think this is a beautiful thing, you know, gathering together and telling the truth about our lives and telling it in a way that it helps someone else through what they're going through is a really beautiful thing and totally a worthwhile thing. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a journey. And, and I think that when we can fall in love with the process and really enjoy every day, getting to tell our story and getting to help other people through theirs, um, I think it makes the 10 years go by way faster. You know, it makes that a lot less daunting when we can just really enjoy the process. Um, but really I think that that's, that's what I would say. I'd say get started. First of all, don't get hung up on the details. Just get started. You will learn what you need to know along the way. Um, and just focus on serving one person. Don't worry about the numbers. Like those, if you're serving one person well, they will tell their friends and their friends will tell their friends. Um, it will grow. But just serve one person well. Serve your little tribe well. Love them. Give them everything you have. Tell the truth about your life. Help them through theirs. Um, it's just a beautiful thing. And I think, yes, there are a lot of bloggers out there, but the world needs your story. It just does. We need your story. We need more people sharing beautiful things and putting them out into the world and pointing us towards goodness and pointing us towards God. We just need more of that. And so if this is something that's on your heart, that's something you've been dreaming about, like, do it. That's what I say. Do it. No time like the present. No time like the present. Don't be afraid to
1: be a beginner. Don't be afraid to be a beginner.
0: (laughs) Just do it. That's what I'd say. Well, thanks for letting me sneak into the host seat for a little while. Oh, my gosh. Well, thank you. And um, I'm so glad we got to talk about this. I, I said this at the beginning, but my hope is that we get to um, talk to lots of different women who are doing lots of different jobs because I think we just need examples of of women just like I don't want to cuss but like k- kicking ass in different yeah. um, in different er- like areas of life. We just we need examples of, of women um, in different arenas and and I think it's really nice to get to see the path someone's taken and um, and especially if we want to follow it. Um, but I just. I'm super grateful that you're here and and that we got to invite y'all into our burrito conversation. Um, So yeah, thank you so much for being here, Mari. Friends, that was so fun. I just love Mari and I'm so happy y'all got to be part of our burrito talk. And yes, just in case you were wondering, we went straight to Chipotle the second we finished recording. One thing I wanted to mention quickly is that I know that Mari and I talked about a lot in today's episode. And so if you want to find the links to any of those things, all you have to do is go to my website. It's stephaniemaywilson.com. And for every episode, we'll have a blog post with the show notes. All of the links will be there for everything we talked about in this episode, plus lots more of my favorite blogging resources. You'll also find links to Mari's blog and Instagram there so that y'all can get to know her and so y'all can be friends. Seriously, go follow her. She's the best. Guys, thanks so much for listening to today's episode. I can't even tell you how much it means to me to have you here at Girls' Night. Before you go, I would love it if you would do two quick things. The first is to subscribe. Subscribing to the podcast is the very best way to make sure you never miss an episode. It's also a way easier way to listen because it's a way of bookmarking the podcast. You never have to go looking for it again. Your app will just automatically download the next episode when a new one's released. The other thing is that it would mean so much to me if you would take a quick second to leave a rating and a review for the podcast. The way that iTunes knows to suggest the podcast to new people is by the ratings and the reviews. That's how we invite new friends to our girls' night. So would you do me a huge favor and just take one quick second to leave a rating and a quick comment about how you like the podcast so far? It would really, really help us get started. And thank you to all of you who have left such sweet comments already. I cannot even tell you how much that means to me. So you guys are going to love what we have in store for you in next week's episode. Next week, we're going to have two friends with me here at Girls' Night, Mackenzie Baker and Mackenzie Wilson, the founders of the amazing college women's ministry, Delight Ministries. In our conversation, we're going to be talking about how to keep your faith strong in college or when you're entering a new season of life. We're talking about how to grow deeper in your faith, really, really practical ways, and how to really connect with a community of women. They'll also be telling us the backstory of how they started Delight Ministries and sharing with us some encouragement and the tips they've learned along the way for those of us who are dreaming about starting something too. I cannot wait to share our conversation with you. Friends, thank you so much for joining us for Girls' Night, and I'll see you next week.